Well, I didn't do too much work on tonight's message because I thought of the Jewish stonemasons. Uh, the Jewish stonemasons, whenever they like carved a lintel above a tomb, they would make sure it was asymmetrical, uh, like a pomegranate side and palm tree on that side, because they believed that only God was perfect. So, so they did not ever want to do any perfect stonework. So, so I'm, there's no pressure on me tonight because only God is perfect. So, <laughs> so anyway, a uh, small fact there to know about Jewish stonemasons. Uh, I usually like to introduce some humor just to kind of get things uh, loosened up. But I don't know how well my sonometer joke went with Chris, Pastor Chris on the stage, but that was a long time ago, so I guess... Uh, I won't use the sonometer joke anymore, but, but what, I, what I will go back to is, speaking of men, women, dating, I, uh, I went to Bethel back in my undergraduate days, even though now I've been a professor at Northwestern, but, but I graduated from, uh, from Bethel, and I still remember when I was there, there was this common phrase that, uh, uh, or this question, what is the difference between a Bethel girl and a garbage can, and uh, and uh, I'm I'm just saying that's what it was back then. So, and uh, the answer was a garbage can gets taken out once a week, you know. So, but, so um, so that, I know that's kind of rough, but uh, uh, but then then there would be another question that would come after that. And that would be, what happened to the man-eating lion that came to Bethel campus? He starved to death. So, um, so anyway, yeah. That one takes a little longer to get, but... Um, so anyway, uh, so that's our humor for tonight. So I'm going to uh, uh, move on just to introduce us to Isaiah 43. And uh, we can throw that one on the stage here up, up on the screen. I just want us to read that, and why don't we just uh, read that together tonight. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I redeemed you, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So hopefully you all got a coin tonight that mentions some of that from verse 1, that fear not, for I have redeemed all of you, the Lord says. I have called you by name, you are mine. So just remember that tonight as we as we kind of walk through this, uh, getting to know men and women better. So I just wanted to walk through a brief outline about uh, before the Garden of Eden, uh, the Garden itself, and then the fall, and then the redemption. Um, some of this might be very familiar for you, but to you. But what I always go back to before the Garden is what was the world like? What was the universe like? What was we can't even use those words, right, to describe what it was like, but what was it like when God was just hanging out with God? Uh, we, we know he was a trinity, right? 
So he wasn't alone, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God was worshiping himself. He was communicating, serving himself, the Spirit, the Father, the Son. So there was this, as C.S. Lewis says, this dance between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And so what I often say, as some of you know, that I think that is what makes Christianity, even right at first glance, much better than a religion like uh, the Islam faith, because Allah was uh, a monad. He was alone. Uh, there was no son. There was no spirit. He, he even is not called a father. You never see that in the uh, Quran. Um, so Christianity is so unique. And we learn right away that instead of Islam, where if there's only one God, the key characteristic is power, whereas in Christianity, it's relationship and it's love and it's intimacy. And so that's what I believe was happening before the garden was this beautiful, serving, glorifying relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So then the garden happened next, the Garden of Eden. And as we know, God made everything good and perfect. And men and women were created in the, in the Imago Dei, uh, created in God's image. Genesis 1, it mentions it three times, kind of emphasizes that, that men and women were made in God's image. And uh, the Hebrew there for male is ish, and for female is isha. So very, very closely related uh, before the fall. To, to men and women, to, to, to Adam and Eve, were assigned the task of keeping the earth to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, to have dominion over it. The woman was a helper. The word is azer there in the Hebrew. Some of you may remember Ebenezer, Ebenezer. Uh, uh, but it's kind of related to that, that word. The, the, the woman is a helper, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. We are... Uh, from the same substance. And so she's so precious that the man is called to leave his parents and become one flesh with his wife. So in uh, Eden, we see the first marriage, perfect marriage. Uh, no marriage counselors were needed. They, they just were getting along just fine because of God's perfect creation. And they were naked. There was no fear of exploitation or evil. The garden was was the place to be. And then came, of course, the fall. Perfection and relationships were deconstructed. And as, as we see some people now deconstructing their faith, things devolve. Sin occurred, death occurred, humans fell from God's presence. And what did they do? Their first response was to pretty much go and hide amongst the trees in the garden. They started hiding from God. And that's why we have the iceberg question there that we tend to hide these days. Some of us hide 95%. Some of us maybe think we're hiding 5%, but I think we hide more than we realize. Uh, we now have a fear of, of uh, being naked, being seen because of the fall. Uh, in Ephesians uh, 2, uh, I love this, this chapter. Uh, it starts out pretty uh, discouragingly that we were dead, dead in sin. And it says we were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the promise. 
those three words, separated, alienated, strangers. I don't know if any of you have felt that in your lives, kind of being separate and alone, maybe feeling like you didn't fit in. Uh, but that was our, um, that was our, our uh, standing after we fell. And it also says that we had no hope and we were without God in the world. Uh, pretty sad predicament. And those words still describe the person who does not know Christ today. So if you have friends, family members who don't know Jesus, they are separated, alienated, and they are uh, all alone in this world. So um, once Adam and Eve fell, their relationship, of course, degraded. And Genesis 3, according to the New Living Translation, says, God is saying to the woman, you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And both of these are negative, conflictual terms. And so that perfect relationship of man and woman uh, was destroyed in that garden. And so this is where I like to sometimes refer to uh, a novella by, uh, by an author named Stevenson. Uh, and it's called the, something like the strange story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And some of you may remember, have any of you heard of that, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Uh, this man, Dr. Jekyll, was a, a, like a, a man who was kind, he was nice, kind of quiet. And if you met him, you would think, hey, this is a great guy. And, but he struggled because he had inside of him a dark side that would come out and sometimes cause him to be very angry, hate people. And so he did not like this part of himself. So he decided to come up with a serum, a serum that would isolate that uh, Mr. Hyde part of him and kind of make it go away, subdue it. And he started taking this serum, but it increased Mr. Hyde. And instead of being more of uh, Dr. Jekyll, the nice guy, he became increasingly Mr. Hyde, the evil man, until uh, it got out of control. And so after the fall, we were left with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in us, or Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde. Uh, Dr. Jekyll being that nice part of you that has kind of the, a conscience inside. You have the law written on your heart. But you also were left with Mr. or Miss Hyde, this part that is absolutely fallen, absolutely corrupt. And this part of us is capable of murder. And Jesus, of course, taught us it doesn't have to be killing the body, but we can kill people with our anger. And probably all of us in this room have committed murder at least once with our anger. So in, in a sense, we are all murderers in this room. So Dr. Jekyll and then Hyde, that's what we're left with. Uh, we're, we, there no longer is the powerful presence of God in us. So what are we left with? We're left with separation. We are distant. We are far off. We are strangers. There's no hope. We are dead. So I just encourage you to think of of that, what happens when we uh, are separate from God. Uh, we are in dire straits. We are in trouble. That's why knowing Jesus is so critical. So then be, comes the next step of redemption. You know, O come, O come, Emmanuel. 
which you know means God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. So instead of separation, now we have God with us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So in the garden, after Adam and Eve sinned, God covered them with the skins of an animal. And we all know that was a temporary measure, right? That was not going to deal with sin forever. And the lambs and the goats uh, being sacrificed in the temple were just temporary coverings that never got rid of sin. It just temporarily covered it up. But here, Jesus came and paid a price for us. He bought all of you with a price. And he covered you filled you with his righteousness. So what an amazing thing. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be good anymore. In fact, one of the most dangerous things, I think, for Christians is the belief that they have to be good. Yeah, God calls you to be holy, but how are you holy? By being good? No, you are holy by him giving you his righteousness. So it takes a lot of pressure off of people to think they have to earn God's righteousness He has given you that righteousness. So now we have Jekyll and Hyde and 2 Corinthians 5.17. We have the new creation in us. What an amazing thing. Don't ever take that for granted. You're not stuck just with Hyde and then weak Jekyll who tries to be good. Uh, Hyde is going to overcome Jekyll every time. Now you have the new creation in you and you can fight against sin You can fight against the old man or woman. So uh, it's no longer just those two entities, Jekyll and Hyde. So so now uh, Ephesians says we're brought near, says we uh, have peace with God. He reconciles us and we are fellow citizens, all of you here, are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. And also you're joined together, you're built together. So we have presence now. Think of, uh, you know, like Emmanuel, God with us. Presence entails things like with, access, intimacy, being known, being loved, near to other people. You're citizens and members of God's house. You're adopted. You You no longer have to hide anymore because you are perfectly loved. So the gospel is all about are you going to choose presence or are you going to keep living in separation? Are you going to be near or far? Are you going to be a stranger or a member of the family? But we can struggle at times with that. But just know that I think that's what the gospel is all about. There's a continuum withness and separation. And where do you want to be on that continuum? And as we practice the presence of God, we become more and more with him until eventually we have no more fears in this world. We have no fears of being known uh, instead of hiding. All right, I'm going to throw out some bullet points here. Nick, how am I doing for time? Any idea? Okay, because I may go another 10 minutes here. But uh, on top of this gospel, this good news of presence, I now want to talk about, well, how does this begin to impact men and women and our relationship as men and women? The first one, which is maybe not quite as related is human exceptionalism. Uh, This world right now does not want to make humans exceptional. It wants to reduce them, as I mentioned earlier, to human animals. 
Uh, I don't know how many of you have heard people refer to humans as animals. We're kind of there with dogs and horses, and we're not exceptional. We are uh, animals that have been evolved from the same tree of life that Darwin talked about. Uh, so please do not accept that term, human animals, because people who mention that, they're trying to undo God's image in humans for the most part. Maybe some people are saying it innocently, but you are exceptional. You are beautifully designed, beautifully created. So just always remember that even though the enemy wants to tell you lies after lies after lies, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not assertive enough. Uh, if people really knew you, they wouldn't like you. So I better just keep hiding myself. So, Or my mom and dad didn't even like me, so... If they didn't like me, who's, who's going to like me? But those are all, all lies from, from the enemy. So know that you are exceptional beings created by the amazing, awesome, awesome God. All right, in marriage therapy, I often uh, kind of bump into some uh, similar dynamics that I see that are problems. It is true that men need respect. And if men feel disrespected by their wives, they do something very predictably. They begin to withdraw from their wife and they begin to build a wall. Uh, some people call it stonewalling. And the wall gets higher and higher until the woman, the wife can't get over it, around it. And then the man begins to seek other pleasures. He will seek work. He will go to sports. He will go to pornography. He might even go to affairs. And so when men don't, do not feel respected by a woman, they will, it does hurt them, uh, it does anger them, they will pull away. And then when that happens, I don't know which always comes first, but the woman will begin to feel unloved because God you know, created her to, to be loved by Adam. And the woman will feel hurt, angry, resentful, bitter, and eventually contempt for the man. And when the man feels contempt coming from his wife, uh, he's not going to exactly run and hug her, even though I've recommended that a few times. <laughs> uh, don't give up on this wife. Just run toward her and give her a hug. Um, but sometimes who wants to hug a porcupine, you know? But anyway, um, so both men and women have their defenses that really are dangerous because men can reject a woman and then they feel rejected and then this woman will start to get critical. And I think in her criticality, she's trying to break through that wall, but it just ends up separating them even more. So just be aware of that, men and women, uh, that women need to be loved. And I know you might tell me why you're being a little stereotypical. Well, I am kind of relying on scripture here too, but uh, men, women need to be loved, men need to be respected. They're not all that far apart, uh, but because both of you have been created wonderfully by God. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you all have this internal battle in you. You have a new creation in you, but you still have Jekyll, you still have Hyde in you. And what does uh, the Bible say about Hyde? There is nothing good in, in Hyde. Hyde wants what he wants when he wants it. Uh, Hyde will get angry when she's not treated the way she wants. So you all have the old nature still in you. So that can present problems between men and women. 
Uh, men can be reduced to using women. They can abuse women. They can control and, uh, and dominate women. Um, so, and we know that wounds a woman's heart. Women can again become critical and nagging and be the woman on the, what's the proverb about the rooftop or something. So, so men will want to run and hide. So I'm not saying one is worse than the other tonight. I'm saying we're all on the same level there. So just be aware of that now. So when you do get married one day, you'll, you'll see this coming sometimes. Uh, and just look inside men, look inside women and know what you're doing. Uh, hiding is a very common activity for men and women to do. We don't show ourselves. In the garden, we hid. Even today, we can, we can hide behind intellectualism. We can just talk about mathematical formulas. <laughs> we can cite the football statistics. We can talk about, some people will even talk about all the Hollywood information. Well, look what happened to this couple, or what do you think about this new Netflix series? Sometimes there's just a lot of smoke there. People are hiding. And even perfectionism can be a way of hiding your badness. If I can make myself look good on the outside, then people won't see what I think is bad. Uh, men can go to two extremes, as I kind of alluded to. They can dominate or they can become passive. Women hate both. Uh, neither one of those is attractive on a man. So... So just know that fallen man apart from God, definitely go to those two. Women can go also to two extremes. They can control and criticize. But what I've also seen in some women is they can come into marriage with this ideal picture of what marriage should be like, even how many kids they're going to have, what their kids are going to look like, what sports they're going to play. You know, it's maybe not all of you do that, so forgive me if I'm stereotyping. But I have seen, seen this in a few women, and if this ideal picture does not happen, if the husband somehow blows it up, uh, she will really dislike the guy for, you are ruining my Disney life here. And uh, So just be aware of that, that the women can uh, go to that place of idealizing what their life should be like. And if people put a, if, if men are a fly in that ointment, uh, look out, so... Men build their own kingdoms at the expenses of their wife. They can really get tied up in their jobs, coaching, you name it. Just this is my world, I've got to do this. And they can uh, miss their wives entirely. And, or you know, their girlfriends, uh, women they, they like. Uh, remember that there are two loves. Uh, C.S. Lewis would say there's four loves and he's right. But I'm just talking about a different category. There's the love that says, I love you for who you are in God, and there's a love that says, I love you for what you do for me. So be aware of that second love. I love you for what you do for me. That is mercenary. That is coming from the flesh. And God, does God call you to an unconditional, or to a conditional love? Uh, no, he calls you to an unconditional love. And um, so, so do love people for who God made them to be. Uh, marriage, uh, just briefly, uh, I won't talk primarily about marriage here, but in marriage there's a covenant or there's a contract, kind of similar to my previous point. Co uh, a covenant says, I will love you no matter what, even if you're not doing your best, even if you are disappointing me. Uh, if there's abuse, 
things of that nature, uh, affairs. Obviously, that's a different situation, and God might call you to leave. But if your husband or wife disappoints you, uh, they let you down, uh, they're not who you want them to be, God says, love them. I didn't put you in a relationship with a perfect person. I put you in a relationship with an imperfect person so you would learn how to love. And uh, that we don't learn how to love unless we have someone who has feet of clay and makes mistakes. A contract says, I will love you if you do what I want you to do. If you break the contract, we're done. 50% of people roughly get married. Probably 45% of them, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, get divorced. 45% of them get divorced because they're contractual in their relationship. God, you know, John, John F. Kennedy, I know Chris just put that picture up once of uh, John F. Kennedy in the Oval Office there, but uh, even though he's a Democrat, uh, he, did, he, did say, he did say something really good. Uh, he said, uh, it's not what your country can do for you, it's what you can do for your country. So in, in marriage, what do we say? It's not what your wife can do for you. It's what you can do for your wife and vice versa. It's not what your husband can do for you. It's what you can do for your wife. So there is that servant attitude. And where do we find that servant attitude? There's only one place. It's Jesus. You find that no place else. So in our world, it's about fairness. If you're not fair to me, then... I have a right to send you away. But if you live by fairness, every relationship you have is going to one day go away. So do not live by fairness. If you want to read a good chapter on that topic, uh, Cloud and Townsend have a book entitled Nine Things You Simply Must Do. And one chapter is called Don't Play Fair. Don't play fair. It will ruin every relationship. Uh, how am I doing, Nick? Am I well past 30 here? I don't want to get go go too far here, but uh, I'll I'll be done here in just a just a few minutes. Uh, uh, as you already know, love is blind, and so if you do find a guy or a woman that you are starting to like, make sure you have a, a someone you share the journey with. Let them know this partner that you're getting to to know this loved one. Uh, have them meet your friend. Uh, get a uh, uh, kind of like a uh, valuation, <laughs> secretive, of course. Um, but uh, you don't want to just be by yourself in that relationship because I have found it true that when people are uh, dating or like premarital, it's kind of like, why do we even do premarital? Because there you are sitting, looking at each other with stars in your eyes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. So did you hear what I just said? Uh-huh. So, so love is blind. So just make sure if you do find someone you're in love with, bring someone else into that relationship. Uh, general truth, this is where you get a psychologist, but uh, general truth, when women feel close, they have sex. When men have sex, they feel close. So remember that in your marriage. I really encourage you one day to not withhold uh, intimacy, physical intimacy, women with your husband. And men, I really encourage you to know that if you want 
to share that part of marriage with your wife, you need to be close to her emotionally. So you guys both have work to do on both ends there. And if you do that work, your sexual relationship will be great. As Chris or someone else said up here, Christians should have the best sex. So hands down, no doubt about it. Um, I would say that's true of my marriage, except my wife would be embarrassed. So, so I won't say it. So uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what else? Um, and one, one thing just to ask you guys, if, or I'll, I'll just say it, if you are offended easily or hurt easily, that is going to be a problem in marriage. So if, if you see that about yourself, work on it now. Don't, don't expect that to be fixed in your marriage. If, uh, in fact, I had a professor at Bethel. He was like 75 years old, Dr. Bob, we called him. He kind of got us young guys together one night at Bethel, and he said, uh, he told us about women, dating, relationships, and he said, if you find a girl you like, I recommend you do one thing. One time, be 45 minutes late for a date, and don't call her, don't tell her you're late. Just be 45 minutes late and see how she reacts when you get there. So I, I, so I, I, that's pretty, pretty rough, isn't it? That's, uh, but I think what he was saying is, if, you, if you're, that woman reacts to you with like storming out anger, if she just reads you the riot act, if she kind of just says, we're done, you found out that there's a woman who gets hurt very easily, or kind of easily. 45 minutes is kind of a long time. Um, so, but, so women find the male counterpart to that. And uh, just to kind of do a little bit of a test there, so uh, yeah, we, we could do 32, so that's fine, so... Uh, okay, uh, relationships between men and women are about trust. We're all born in this world not knowing how to trust. Um, we're all born not knowing how to love. So uh, I tell people when you become a believer, you're in spiritual kindergarten. So you haven't arrived. I'm sorry to tell you guys that, some of you. Uh, I tell them the same thing about marriage. When you get married, you're in kindergarten. Some people think they're in graduate school. It's like, seriously? Um, and then they worry that if they slip down from that level, if they have problems, if they fight, all of a sudden they are, uh, their marriage is falling apart. But no, it's like you start in kindergarten, you spend years growing to first grade, third grade, fifth grade. After five years, it's like, are we in eighth grade yet? You know, And you just keep growing because you're learning how to love you're learning how to forgive because you were born into this world not knowing how to do any of that. And that only comes as you walk with Jesus and draw closer to him throughout the years. So don't worry if you have some problems. In fact, uh, one person, uh, one counselor I know was t telling me about a couple he was working with in therapy. And he said, I've seen sheep have more conflict than this couple. You know, So it's like they never fought about anything. They just were everything was okay. That's more dangerous than if you have some uh, disagreement. So uh, projection, be aware when you're dating a guy or a gal that sometimes you might take your own issues and see them in that person and criticize them. Oh, he's such a sensitive man. He's so, he gets hurt so easily. Uh, just be aware of what might be your sensitivity 
Or a man might say, boy, this woman has such high standards. Uh, and look inside first and make sure that's not your standards. Uh, and then there's transference. Just be aware that if you have had hurt in the past from a parent, from another dating relationship, know that sometimes you're going to go into a relationship with the next man or woman and you might get hurt more easily uh, because of that other relationship and you might blow up the current relationship because you still haven't dealt with the previous pain. So what I will ask you guys is you can say two things. You can say, you can look at the person you're dating and you can say, I can't trust you because you hurt me. Or you can say, I don't trust myself because I get hurt easily. So make sure you, in a dating relationship, you have that handy and you just refer to that um, because it might come in handy once in a while. So uh, another comment here is sex is easier than emotional intimacy. So many people uh, go to sexual relationships and they miss love. They miss uh, how to actually emotionally get close. So why did God tell us to, to, to wait on sex? Because he wanted us to develop another type of intimacy first. Because once you have the sex first, then you fly over the other intimacy, which is far more enduring, far more precious, and uh, it will prepare you for heaven. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. Um, lastly, before I get to one quick challenge, remember Mark 12, 28 and following? It's all about love. Jesus reduces the Bible, he reduces the gospel to two commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your, your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And what's the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. So with that second commandment, what has to come first there? You have to love yourself first. Well, doesn't that sound kind of egocentric? Uh, well, it's in the Bible, so... Uh, so uh, so, you, so you, you need to know God's love. You need to experience that. You need to let that in. Um, so just know that, that those are the two commandments. If you know those two, you don't have to worry about any of the rest. Uh, I mean, I say that, you know, with, uh, in, with some, uh, like, guardedness. But, but if you love, if you've received God's love and you've learned how to love yourself, uh, receive God's love for you, and you can take that love and give it to others, then you have, you're living out the gospel. So it's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's, it's all about presence, witness, love. So now you need to women love men, and men you need to love women. And uh, just one last thought here, the challenge to men. 60 years from now, men, none of this is going to matter anymore, right? You're all gonna, your bodies are going to be six feet under and your souls are going to be in heaven. So don't build earthly kingdoms. See life from an eternal perspective and become a warrior of those things that will last forever. Other people, the eternal hearts of women, love the women around you and pursue them. Don't wait until you're comfortable. Don't wait until it's easy. Sometimes men, a couple of things are true about men. Men can be selfish and men can want things easy. 
Uh, but don't, don't wait till things are easy, man. Do the hard thing, because then you'll have to trust God for the strength to do it. Um, the challenge to women is just to say that your heart should be so lost in God that a man must seek him to find you. And the more you become like Jesus by spending time in his presence, the more attractive you will be. Run from the man who loves you or something other than your heart. Don't, don't put up with that. So God created you to be loved deeply. So uh, I am going to just, I think, uh, go to Isaiah 57, 15. Thank you, Matthew. You're right all over that. So, um, so uh, I love this verse. Uh, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Wow, what an amazing being. Who in, he lives in eternity. He always has. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And that's kind of like if it stopped there, that'd be pretty amazing. Uh, God is so transcendent. Uh, this might be Allah if we stop there. But then it says, and I also dwell with him or her who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So you have an amazing God who uh, is far away, in a sense, holy, like Isaiah 6. Uh, I'm a man of unclean lips. I cannot even approach you. But then he came and he knelt in the dust with you. And he said, I'm here for you by name. Remember the coins you got tonight? It's by name. You are mine. So if any of you are depressed, anxious, feeling unloved, feeling missed by the opposite gender, know <clears throat> that he did not make a mistake when he made you. And I will remind all of you of that at any time. And <clears throat> I know many of you men individually and I know many of you women as well, and I've been <clears throat> very impressed with all of you. And uh, <clears throat> I see God in you. And I can even look, see a number of you right here. I, I see God in you. So don't give up on God. If you're tempted to deconstruct your faith, there is no other place to go. I can tell you that after 50 years of walking as a Christian, there is no place else to go. <clears throat> Wrestle with him, pray to him, seek counsel, but you are loved. And, uh, and men, make sure you pursue those women. <laughs> and women, make yourself attractive. And I'm not talking physically, but <clears throat> hide yourself in God. So men will have to seek him to find you. All right, well, I will quick pray here and then we'll move on to the panel.